Welcome back to Cycle Wisdom, where we empower women to restore natural menstrual cycles, to improve health, and promote fertility. I'm your host, Dr. Monica Minger, and I am so glad you're listening today. On today's episode, we continue our series of talking all about hormones. Last week, we talked about estrogen, and today we're going to talk about its primary counterpart in a female body, and that is progesterone. We're going to talk about the specific impact of progesterone on your menstrual cycle and fertility health, as well as the overall role that progesterone plays in your body. We'll also discuss specific causes of progesterone deficiency, which is much more common than progesterone excess, and review ways to balance your progesterone naturally, as well as touch on the role of over-the-counter products and prescription-strength progesterone hormone replacement therapy. So let's dive in with a story about a past client of mine who we'll call Liz. Now, Liz came to see me because she was having menstrual cycles that were happening approximately every 20 to 23 days. And she knew from working with her charting instructor that those cycles were a little shorter than what we consider as normal. The other important piece here is that Liz was wanting to get pregnant. And because she had already been charting, we were able to see that from the time that she ovulated until her next period came, which is her luteal phase, that was averaging somewhere around four to five days. Now, we generally recommend a normal luteal phase should be at least 11 or 12 days, and ideal is closer to 13 or 15 days. So we knew for sure that the three to five days that Liz was seeing was much too short for her luteal phase. Seeing that shortened luteal phase always makes me suspicious for a progesterone deficiency as a primary cause, which can make it difficult to get pregnant and to stay pregnant. Once we reviewed Liz's charting, I ordered a full hormone lab panel evaluation to figure out exactly what was going on with Liz's cycles and found that indeed her progesterone levels were really quite low, with all of the rest of her hormone levels being fairly normal, other than some mild ovulation troubles. I continued to work with Liz over the course of the next few months and got her on an appropriate progesterone prescription, which immediately lengthened her luteal phase and spaced out her cycles so they were coming closer to every 29 to 32 days now. It also stretched out her luteal phase so that she was now averaging 13 or 14 days for a luteal phase each cycle. Within a few months, Liz was able to achieve a pregnancy on her own. Now, she did end up requiring additional progesterone support with ongoing prescription medications throughout her entire pregnancy, which I do manage commonly. Anyone who has hormone deficiencies prior to pregnancy oftentimes does end up needing some additional support during pregnancy to help maintain those progesterone levels, which is really important for maintenance of a healthy placenta and full-term pregnancy. So how do we check progesterone levels and what do we know about what is normal? Again, I would reference you back to our website, which I have listed in the show notes where we have posted the graphic that shows in general terms what each of your hormone levels should be doing throughout your cycle. As you can see in the early part of your menstrual cycle, progesterone levels are really quite low. They don't typically take off and really start to elevate until after ovulation, which is really the key event that happens that causes that progesterone level to rise. We should see progesterone levels increase and then peak typically around seven days after you have ovulated. Now, if you aren't pregnant that cycle, then the progesterone levels naturally decrease, and that decrease of progesterone then triggers your body to have your next menstrual cycle. If you are pregnant during that cycle, 
the progesterone levels should elevate to that peak and they should remain elevated as your body is starting to develop that placenta. The corpus luteum, which is the follicle that released the egg, helps to trigger the development of progesterone, which helps set up the early placenta for adequate development and function. Now, as far as active forms of progesterone in the body, there is primarily just one biologically active form in your body, and that is P4, which is just called progesterone. There are also a few other neurochemicals that are derived from progesterone that play a very important role in the body as well. The main ones we talk about are allopregnanolone and isopregnanolone. Both of these are considered neurosteroids, which means that they have an effect on your central nervous system, which includes your brain and nerves. What we're finding with more research is that there are potential effects on your mood and anxiety levels with these neurosteroids. There are studies currently being done on using these neurosteroids for treatment of things like PMS, postpartum depression, and interestingly, for treatment of people after they've had a stroke, as we're finding that progesterone and its derivatives can restore myelin, which is the protective covering that goes around the nerves in your body. In general, what we can see is that women who are low in progesterone levels, or if they have something that is blocking the conversion of progesterone to allopregnanolone, this will inhibit GABA receptors, which increases chronic baseline anxiety. It's important to pay attention to this because we see increased mood symptoms in women who are on oral contraceptives, an IUD that contains hormones, or Depo-Provera shots. There have been studies done that show a significant increase in depression and anxiety because those particular synthetic hormones can block the conversion of progesterone to allopregnanolone, which is vital for an appropriate number of healthy GABA receptors to help stabilize your mood. I also want to briefly talk here about the critical impact that hormonal birth control plays in brain development of teenagers. We know from neuroscience research that brain development and neuroplasticity reaches its peak somewhere between the ages of 13 to 16. And what we now know is, is that if young women are placed on birth control pills, shots, or implants, and progesterone levels are blocked from conversion to that allopregnanolone, the brain doesn't develop the same during that time, and there is not a way to reverse that process later in life. There's this crucial window of time for brain development where the brain is forming all of those nerve connections that need the myelin coating, which relies on progesterone levels to be healthy. This will help to set the appropriate number and level of GABA receptors, and all of that is important for mood and cognitive functioning down the road. And so I just want you to keep in mind that blocking progesterone especially during this critical time from age 13 to 16, plays such a huge role in brain development. So what exactly does progesterone do? The primary thing, as we talked about in the case of Liz, is that it helps to regulate your menstrual cycle during the luteal phase, and it's the timekeeper for when your next period will start if you're not pregnant. When the follicle ruptures and an egg is released, progesterone levels increase to help support that egg if it is going to be fertilized. If you do become pregnant during that cycle, progesterone continues to be influenced by that follicle, which is also called a corpus luteum cyst, and it stimulates the yolk sac to help prevent uterine contractions. Those uterine contractions can cause preterm labor or interfere with implantation of that fertilized egg. In people who don't have follicles that rupture and release an egg, the follicular cyst can remain present, 
and progesterone levels don't increase. And so that's where sometimes we can see an ovarian cyst that is present and doesn't rupture. The other primary purpose of progesterone is that it balances estrogen. Now, in our last episode, when I talked about estrogen dominance, and we know that keeping adequate progesterone and estrogen levels helps to maintain that appropriate balance and keep the cycle going. There are also other non-menstrual cycle-related roles that progesterone has in your body. As I mentioned earlier, it plays a role in mood regulation through the GABA receptors, as well as brain protection, with helping keep the myelin covering around your nerves, and also helps with development and maintaining the mammary glands in breast tissue. Now that you know some of the primary roles of progesterone, you can think about the symptoms of low progesterone, which typically would be a shortened luteal phase, sometimes with spotting or a very light flow leading up to the time before your period actually starts. Another symptom that we can see is the presence of multiple or recurrent ovarian cysts because progesterone levels never peaked. Mood instability can be another symptom of low progesterone, whether we see that as PMS, PMDD, or wide fluctuations of your mood throughout your cycle. From a fertility standpoint, we can also see infertility or recurrent miscarriages as a sign of low progesterone, knowing that it is one of the most important hormones to establish a healthy placenta throughout the entire pregnancy. So the most common hormone abnormality that we see with progesterone is levels being too low, and there are lots of different things that can cause that. Very often we see that another hormonal process is playing a role and the most common dysfunction I find is an ovulatory defect. Now this can be either not ovulating at all or struggling to ovulate where your body is working harder to release an egg, somewhat like we can see in PCOS, premature ovarian failure, or when a teenager is just starting to have their cycles. Any ovulatory dysfunction can cause the progesterone to be much lower later on in your cycle because the progesterone release and spike is waiting for that ovulatory event to occur, which may be delayed or not happening at all. Other reasons for low progesterone levels can include perimenopause, as we know that progesterone levels naturally start to decrease a little bit prior to the onset of menopause. We also know that stress impacts your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland, both of which are responsible for the rest of your hormones downstream. So if you have more stress in your life, or if you're exercising too intensely, your cortisol levels are higher, which can decrease your progesterone levels. Being overweight or obese, as well as having uncontrolled thyroid dysfunction, can all play a role in decreased progesterone levels. There are also many different medications that can cause a progesterone deficiency, specifically antipsychotic medications, as well as corticosteroids, and then obviously any type of oral contraceptives or other synthetic hormones that are designed to block ovulation from happening. Again, this is important not only for adequate progesterone levels impacting the menstrual cycle, but also for all the downstream effects of the neurosteroids that are affecting GABA receptors and mood. So what should you do if you think you have low progesterone levels? The first step would obviously be to start working with someone who understands your cycle's natural fluctuations, check the hormone levels at the appropriate times, and evaluate your body's other hormone levels to know if there is an underlying hormonal cause or if there are lifestyle changes that need to be made in order to optimize your levels. I talk a lot about managing your stress levels, getting adequate sleep, 
regular exercise that's not excessive or too intense, and maintaining a healthy weight, as well as avoiding endocrine disruptors. As far as dietary recommendations, I always talk about trying to follow more of a whole foods diet, avoiding processed foods, and focusing on good quality fruits, vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats, and lean proteins. Healthy fats include things like nuts, seeds, olive oil, and avocados. Other specific vitamins or minerals that we pay attention to with trying to increase progesterone levels are going to be things like vitamin B6, which you can find in foods like chickpeas, tuna, and salmon. We also pay attention to vitamin C, which is obviously found in most of our citrus fruits, but also in strawberries and bell peppers, and then vitamin E, which can be found in higher amounts of food like almonds, sunflower seeds, and spinach. The other two minerals that are important for progesterone levels are zinc, which you can find in pumpkin seeds, lentils, and cashews, and then magnesium, which is in different nuts, seeds, whole grains, as well as our leafy greens. Now, you know, there's a lot out there right now where people are talking about cycle syncing your food to your cycle. This involves trying to make sure that you have particular foods in a certain part of your cycle in order to optimize the hormones during that time. However, what we know is that although the foods I have just mentioned are good for helping to boost progesterone levels during your luteal phase, they are actually important during all phases of your cycle. So don't get yourselves too wrapped up in trying to make sure which foods you are consuming during your luteal phase, which ones you're having during your follicular phase. Really just focus on those good quality whole foods on a daily basis to give you the best outcomes and not drive yourself crazy in the process. Now, how do you know if you need a prescription for progesterone or if lifestyle and dietary changes are going to be enough? What about over-the-counter progesterone replacements? Ultimately, this comes down to really understanding that there are many different formulations of progesterone that are available, and the amount and absorption of each of them is vastly different. As a rule, you cannot get any over-the-counter product that is marketed as progesterone that actually contains any progesterone. Most of the -the over-the-counter products you see contain wild yam extract, which we know can help to boost levels or mimic that progesterone response, but it does not contain any actual progesterone, nor is wild yam converted to progesterone in your body. My general recommendation is is that if you have mild symptoms of low progesterone, you can certainly try the lifestyle changes or over-the-counter products first. However, please be aware that these can have some significant side effects depending upon what else might be in these products. Additionally, they are typically not strong enough to make a huge impact on your luteal phase length, correcting any underlying causes of infertility, or prevention of miscarriages, since they don't contain actual progesterone. So if we are prescribing progesterone, it's really important to know what type of progesterone you're being prescribed, and that not all prescriptions are created equally. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, there is only one form of progesterone in the female body, and as such, any prescriptions should be bioidentical, so we are matching that. Any other formulation of synthetic progesterone can mimic the progesterone-like effects, but can also create lots of problems with ovulation, 
blocking GABA receptors and other side effects down the road that stop ovulation from occurring. The most common form of bioidentical progesterone that I prescribe is micronized progesterone. This has a brand name of Prometrium, which is available at your regular commercial pharmacy as a capsule. There's also a vaginal gel called Crinone that is available, and both of those are considered bioidentical. I can also prescribe a wide variety of compounded versions of micronized progesterone depending upon your specific needs. Then the final form of progesterone replacement I prescribe is injectable bioidentical progesterone. Now, there's been a push more recently where a lot of OB doctors have stopped putting their clients on injectable progesterone during pregnancy anymore. Now, this is primarily because of some studies done on a different form of progesterone that was injectable that is actually not recommended anymore for use during pregnancy because they found that it was not helpful. However, the bioidentical injectable progesterone that I prescribe during pregnancy is still incredibly helpful for pregnancies. The safety and efficacy of this specific progesterone has been studied for over 40 years and has been shown to help prevent miscarriages as well as decrease the risk of preterm birth. Giving you progesterone is not going to stop you from going into natural labor, but if it is preterm labor or low progesterone levels interfering with implantation or development of that placenta early on in pregnancy, helping with some progesterone supplementation throughout a woman's pregnancy can really drastically change the course of that pregnancy and delivery. Probably the most important thing to know with progesterone is that it is important to know when you should be taking it, and ideally trying to take it only in your luteal phase, after you have ovulated, because that is when it should naturally be most prevalent in your cycle. This is why it's so important to be tracking your cycles on a regular basis, so you know when you are ovulating, and then starting taking that progesterone a couple days after you've ovulated in order to help augment what naturally should be going on with your levels during that cycle. I also always remind my patients that the progesterone you're taking now is impacting your current luteal phase cycle, but it's also helping your next cycle because it's encouraging your body on that ovulatory process to release an egg naturally in the next cycle which also helps to stimulate better progesterone production for that cycle as well. So I know we covered a lot in this episode because progesterone does a ton of things as one of the two primary hormones that are regulating a woman's menstrual cycle as well as throughout pregnancy. If you suspect that you have a progesterone deficiency, I would love the opportunity to work with you to figure out the underlying cause of that imbalance as well as work towards a path to healing. If you're ready to work with our elite team of healthcare professionals, go to our website, radiantclinic.com, to schedule a free discovery call with me and learn more about our package-based pricing for healthcare. We customize your treatment plan and include options to access a hormone coach, fertility awareness charting experts, a registered dietitian, a health coach, and of course, all the medical care you need from me as a board-certified physician. We are currently able to see people for in-person appointments in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area, or can arrange for a telehealth visit if you live in the state of Iowa. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please share this podcast with someone in your life who would benefit from our services. Remember to subscribe to this podcast for more empowering content. I sincerely appreciate your support, and I look forward to sharing more with you on our next episode 
of Cycle Wisdom. 